Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I feel so strongly that this is what the Lord laid on my heart to share uh, with you guys. So this is not a, a repackaged you know, message you know, that I've preached before. This is something that's been burning in my heart for the past few weeks. I think it's just really relevant. It's really, it's really you know, our response as Christians. That's really what this is uh, to what is happening in the world all around us and, and everything. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. God, we thank you that we can come and not only experience your love and experience your presence and say it's all about you, God. You're the alpha and the omega. You're the beginning and the end. That everything is in your, is, is in your hands, God. That we join with the 24 elders and we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. But Father, in this moment, in this moment, how do we respond? How do we respond to what's happening around us, Father? And that's what this is about, is in this moment that we can not only experience your love, but we can share that same love with the world around us. That when it seems like a lot of people are trapped in darkness, even Christian people are confused and are twisted in their minds, God, that we could be a voice of reason and we can be light to the world. As you said, you came as the light of the world and then you said, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. How do we do that, God? How do we do that? We thank you, God, for your word that gives us an answer to everything. And it certainly has an answer for this, God. And Lord, we thank you, we praise you in your name, amen. Amen. So, um, Pastor Donnie kind of already introduced my family somewhat, but, but my beautiful wife here, this is Beth. Um, we're, we are from Apopka, for real. We like, grew up in Apopka. I, I went to Apopka Middle School. Where did you go? A lot of places. Okay. But we both went to Apopka High School together, uh, and that's where we met. We were high school sweethearts and got married pretty, pretty not too far uh, after, not too far along after high school, got married. And, um, but before we got married, I did spend some time in Israel, about five months in Israel. So, so I'm excited for these guys, and I have, I have something for y'all. I'm gonna give this to you before, before we leave today from Israel. So, um, so my granddad was a, he was a, a minister. Both of my granddads were actually, but, but, but my mom's dad, uh, he, he loved Israel. He, he, he took about 14 trips to Israel and led groups, and he was a pastor for 40 years, and then he was the senior chaplain in Orange County Jail for 24 years after that. Um, and he just recently, just last year, passed and went on to be with the Lord, and, and so he's gone home. Uh, but this is, this is one of his Bibles that I'm carrying. This is his cross, uh, and I think this might be from Israel. I'm not sure, um, but it's like a hand-carved cross. So he, he wore crosses like every day. And, and, uh, and so I got I got I was blessed to get a few of those that I can, I can, I can, uh, wear. And, and so, 
I'm just, I just love my, my grandfather. I talk about him probably every time I preach and, and, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm blessed and, and privileged to be able to preach the gospel that he preached and walk in the, in the same way. And I mentioned Elisha, but Elisha also took you know, the mantle of Elijah. And I, in, a, in many ways, I feel that same kind of thing happening in my life. Even though I've been in ministry for, for a long time, for about 16 years, but now stepping into, my grandfather also planted a church in Apopka. <laughs> you know, many years ago, Word of Life Church, it's still there, it's still, it's still rolling. And so, uh, and, and so it's just a really neat thing uh, for me personally, and I, and I love to share that. But, but today's message, what I wanna get into today is share that there's a lot of things happening in the world and we see these things, and, and how do we respond to it? You know, there's, there's churches that, like I said, that are, that are still meeting totally online. You know, they're not, they're not able to, to meet in person, or, they're, or either, either, either they don't feel they can, or there's someone up higher. And, I, and in, a lot of, in a lot of situations, that's actually what's happening. In fact, I just met with a, a good friend of both Pastor Donnie and I. His name is uh, Gerard Moss. He's the pastor of, of St. Paul AME in Apopka. And that's the situation he's in. You know, he was telling me, you know, the, you know, the higher-ups, they, they, they hadn't let, let him meet inside. So he's meeting outside. And so, um, and, and, and so that's the situation for some churches. Some churches like you guys have, have come back inside. I know you guys were meeting outside for a while and, and it was getting hot, you know, and you came back inside. Hallelujah. I know you're excited to be back inside. <laughs> but... But so you, you see through the whole COVID crisis thing, you know, that, that there was this, all this shifting and pivoting and things that were happening. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, if that wasn't enough, now there's this, all this hate and all this division and all these walls being put up and all, these, all this mud being slung around and, 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 and things like that going on. And, and, and as a church, you're, you're sitting back and you're saying, well, what, what's happening, God? What is this? You know, how do I respond to, to this situation? And really, and, I, and Pastor Donnie kind of touched on it, but really what I, I kind of saw in my heart, what I felt and what I was seeing, I think, in the spirit was that, was that you know, families were, were stuck together, marriages that had issues already, families that already didn't get along so well were stuck together and they were looking at each other and, 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 and they were getting, they were, they, it, it started to boil, it started, things started happening and they didn't know how to deal with it, you know? And so then, and so then it's easy if you have a common enemy to, to shift that anger, shift that hatred and, and, let, and shift the, the, the tension I feel and let me put it on someone else so, so, that I, so that I don't, you know, just totally take it out on the people that I'm supposed to love. Let me, let me point to someone that I don't actually know that well and begin to point my hatred and my anger towards them instead of dealing with the things that actually were, could have been a good thing to let, let God expose some things in your own life and deal with it the right way. Let love lead. Let healing happen. But that in many cases, we know isn't what happened. When we see what's happening all over the world, certainly in our country, in our nation, I love that Pastor Donnie has had it in his heart to do what he's doing with the prayer movement here and to pray specifically. It seems so, so God-ordained that he had this in his heart before any of this happened. <laughs> it's, so, it's really cool when you see that happening, isn't it? When you see God do something in your leaders and you're like, 
wow, he didn't even know that was going to happen. But yet here we are preparing our, our hearts and praying for the government, praying for church leaders, praying for families. Hallelujah. That's God, guys. That's God. But, you know, sometimes you can just see things happening in the spirit and realize that there's much more to a situation than what we see in the natural. You know, you, see, you realize that the reactions of men that you're seeing happening is not going to fix anything. It won't fix anything. The way that, that, that people in, in their, in their, from, from just their flesh reacting to situations, it won't fix anything. You begin to see up close that there's deep-rooted heart conditions, that it can be very easy to fall into a trap of Satan. And, the, and this Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, don't give the devil a foothold. And, and in context, what is, he, what is he talking about? Anger. Anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let your anger control you. Just like God told Cain in the beginning. Don't let anger control you. And what did Cain do? He killed his brother, became the first murderer. Mm. So what I'm saying is that there is an answer to all of the hate and division that we see. What I'm saying is that there is a solution, and that solution was sent here to this earth 2,000 years ago, and it's the same solution today. It's the blood of the perfect Lamb of God that forgave all of us so that we can forgive each other, that loved all of us so we can love each other, that, that, that showed us what mercy looks like so we can be merciful because he is merciful to the merciful. He, he is loved to those who, who experience that love and are able to share it. And we need not forget our true identity. Don't forget our true identity and, and, and realize and remember that we are one spirit. We are of one baptism. We serve one God. We have one Savior, and he has made us to be one race, which does not in any way diminish the culture, but it celebrates God's creativity. It doesn't diminish anyone's culture. It doesn't diminish the color of your skin. It doesn't diminish your heritage. It actually celebrates it because he's the one that made you this way. He's the one that gave you what you have. And yes, be, be proud. Be, be all about it and realize that he's the God of all nations. The word nations is not about a country. It's not about a land. It's not about dirt. It's about people. The God of all nations. He's the God of all nations. What our new identity in Christ does in us and through us is unite us. It unites us and, and puts every other label that defines us in its proper place. Every other label that defines us in, in its proper place because I am a child of God. I am bought by the blood of Jesus. That's way up here, y'all. <laughs> way up here. Hallelujah. Amen. So in other words, I am more in Christ than I am an American. I am more a Christian than I am a white man. I am more a child of God than I am a child of my biological parents on the earth. As much as I love them and appreciate them, I'm more a child of the Father. My heritage and my identity is more linked to, to God than anything. 
I am more an heir of the promises of God, and I'm more excited about that inheritance than anything the world can give me. Anything. Amen? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord above anything else. We will raise the banner of Jesus Christ. In other words, we will we'll join ourselves to who we are in him above anything. Above anything. But when you get reminded of these truths and then bring it back to everyday natural life, okay, how do we, how do we love each other the right way? How do, we, how do we really, honestly? I met with my friend that I mentioned earlier who is a pastor in Apopka, African-American man, pastor, love him. He's, we're great friends. And I, and you know, honestly, my heart was just broken one day and I just texted him and I said, man, I just want you to know I stand with you. I love you. You're my brother. What can I do? How can I show you that? How can I show you that? And if I have failed in any way, tell me, let me know, because I want you to know that I believe this. I believe that we're brothers the Bible says to do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. So we're more brothers and sisters in this room right here than, than any other kind of connection, right? So I believe the answer is simple but yet profound and is clearly seen in Scripture. And so we're just gonna start with, with this, what Jesus tells the story when he gets asked, and, and we know it as the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to go there, you can. Luke chapter 10. It's going to be in the NIV on the, on the screen, I believe. Okay, so in Luke chapter 10, it says in verse 25, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? I love how he asked the man, how do you read it? How do you understand what the law says? What does it say to you? And the man answered in verse 27, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, well, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So that is what the law says. Do that. Go do that. But, verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I want to ask you this morning, who is your neighbor? The question that he asks reveals the man's heart. He wanted to justify himself. He wanted to put a limit on love and compassion. He wanted to say, well, just tell me, Jesus, just tell me what this, I just do these three steps and now I can check the box, right? Now I'm good. I can go, I have eternal life. That's my neighbor, I, I did this thing. Religion does this often and gives a box to be checked so that we can feel like we have met some requirement of righteousness. But this is putting confidence in the flesh. This is external behavior, behavior modification. It's not, it's not the inside the heart. Deep, the deepness that, that Jesus 
it, it, who God is and who, what Jesus is trying to show this man. He's not quite there yet, you know, but he's, he's just kind of, he, he's setting them up. Jesus did that a lot. <laughs> he was set them up, right? So he's, he's about to reveal something to them. The problem is that it isn't the grace of God operating in our lives, but merely just efforts and it limits God working in our life when just, we just wanna tell me what to do, check off the box. That's external. That's confidence in the flesh. We need to trust grace, God's ability in us. God's ability to work in and through us, that's grace, not in ourselves. So that's simple faith, trusting God. And how everything works in the kingdom is by faith through grace. By faith through, you're saved by faith through grace. Everything else that you do is by faith through grace. In other words, grace has provided it for you and by faith you take a hold of it. Grace, God's ability in you, has provided for you everything and by faith you grab a hold of the things that have been assigned to you. What's been assigned to you? By faith you do it. You pick it up. You run with it. By faith you love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? It doesn't matter who you're, it, it's not the wrong question. Asking a question like this, what is the, my minimum requirement so that I can be justified? This is the wrong question, wrong attitude, and absolutely not the heart of the Father. Not the heart of the Father. As Jesus always did, he blew away the prideful religious mindset of his listeners. He always did this. Instead of telling the man that he was prideful and religious and trying to earn righteousness, Jesus told him a story. Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. You notice that it doesn't say who the man was. It is implied that he was a Jewish man, but in the text it doesn't say, Jesus didn't say he was a Jewish man. Doesn't say, and you know why? Because it doesn't matter. All that matters is that he was a victim of hate and violence, and that he was, and that was, and that was all that mattered. He needed help. He needed help. That's what mattered. He needed someone to come and love him. He needed someone to come love him up close. And that's today's message, love up close. The title of the message is love up close. Verse 31, a priest, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he, was, when he saw a man, the man, he passed on the other side. Somebody say the other side. So a priest came, a preacher, a pastor. And he was looking good and he was ready for church. And he had his church clothes on and he was, and he was ready. And you know, he didn't want to mess up his nice suit. So he saw the man and he walked on the other side. Let me look at my Bible. Make sure I look holy. And then another man came. It says a Levite came. A Levite, if you don't know, is uh, from the tribe of Levi, right? And they, were, they also were ministers. They were subordinates of the priests, right? 
and they ministered in the temple as well. And a Levite came and he saw the man and he made a decision to walk on the other side. He kept his distance. He walked on the other side. When they passed by, they passed on the other side. They were not willing to get too close and certainly did not love up close. What is the problem with passing on the other side? Passing on the other side is a decision to not love people that need to be loved. That's a decision. And that is not the body of Christ. That is not the church. The time of, of, of the church in America playing church is over. It's over. The time for, for just checking the box and saying, I was here and I sat in a chair and I did my thing and I put some, some change in a bucket is over. The time for revival is here. The time for the third awakening is here. The time for ushering in the second coming of Christ is here. By the church being a pure bride, by the church being who she was called to be, and by loving people and looking at them up close and seeing their pain and being willing to say, I love you. And I don't care if you look different than me. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what neighborhood you grew up in. I do care about those things. I value those things. But I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid to step out of my comfort zone and say, I will love you. I will bring you into my home. I will make a bed for you. I will feed you. I will clothe you. I will do whatever I got to do to show you the love of Jesus because I've experienced the love of Jesus and you deserve to experience the love of Jesus. Why would I hold that back? Why would I hold back the love that I've experienced? How is that godly? How is that Christian to live that way? I'm sorry, I'm emotional, y'all, but man, I'm telling you, this has been stirring up for a while. I'm not sorry, not sorry, right, you know? Because I'm really not. It's a decision to not really see the problem, to walk on the other side. It's a decision to not get too involved. It's a decision to keep a distance from the issue. From a distance, it's easy to talk. It's easy to accuse. It's easy to judge. And it's easy to condemn someone and to scroll on your phone and, and write little comments on Facebook when you don't know anything about that person. You don't know the first thing about them, what they've been through, you have never looked at their pain. And I'm not saying you, obviously. I'm saying that's what this, these this people that make this decision, they do. They decide to walk on the other side. I'll tell you, in my lifetime, I'm sure I've walked on the other side before. But I'll also tell you, I will never, ever walk on the other side again. I've burned my ships and I've said, we're gonna follow Jesus and we're gonna do everything he tells us to do and we're gonna love people. In fact, our church, we, you know, we don't even have a, our church like legally established, but I already know what the motto is. The motto is love by God 
and loving all people. I don't believe that the church is called to pass by on the other side, but we're called to love like Jesus loves. And like the good Samaritan in this parable, we're called to love up close. Look at what the good Samaritan does. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he saw him. He took pity on him. You see, you can't take pity if you don't see someone. You can't take pity if you're not willing to see them. You have to see them first. So the decision is made before that. Just like the priest and the Levite, as soon as they saw him, they chose not to see him and walk on the other side. The word, the phrase, take pity, in the Greek, it means, to, it means to be moved as to one's bowels because they believed in that time that the bowels were thought to be a, a seed of love and pity. So, you know, if you've been moved in your bowels, like after you had coffee, right, <laughs> you gotta go, right? <laughs> Amen? Okay? If you gotta go, you gotta go. There's no, there's no like, well, I'll wait. No. Now, put that in context with compassion because that's what this word means. It means to, to be moved as to one's bowels, hence to be moved with compassion. For the Samaritan, there wasn't even a choice. He was moved. He was moved. There was no choice. He saw the man and he was moved. It's, it's, again, it's, you know, it's easy to just scroll and judge, right? But he saw him. Verse 34, let's see what he did. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out on oil and wine. Then he put the man in his own, on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. That's what we're called to do. Go and do likewise. It's interesting that Jesus made the Samaritan the hero of the story, isn't it? You know, in that time, that the Jewish people did not like Samaritans at all and actually saw themselves as, as above them and, and because of different reasons, religious and, and political differences, and, and the, 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 the Israel had been taken captive and gone to Babylon and intermarriages had taken place with some of those that were left behind and they, they became Samaritans. And so, and so it's interesting how Jesus will do that. Jesus was a Jewish man <laughs> and he used the priest and the Levite. They were Jewish. And he, but he makes the hero of the story a Samaritan. I think to put it, to put it in their face to say, it's not about race. 
It's not about that. You need to love people no matter who you are or who they are. It doesn't matter. You're called to love, period. There is an answer to all this hate and division. Look at uh, Ephesians 2, verse 13. This is in the New King James. Ephesians 2, verse 13. Paul addressing a similar situation here. Very similar. And he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. You've been brought near. Everybody say brought near. You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought near. Verse 14, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace. The word peace, that word peace, it comes from another word that means to join. Jesus joins us together. And that word, it also means a state of national tranquility. Jesus is our national tranquility. Jesus is our peace. Jesus brings us together. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished, I want you to remember this word, abolished in his flesh the enmity, that, that word too, abolished and enmity, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the, the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father, Verse 19, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Wow. Jesus broke down the walls of hostility. Jesus broke down division. Jesus is the ultimate peace, and it says he abolished enmity. The word abolish means formally put an end to a system. And enmity is hate and division. Jesus put an end to the system of hate when he died on the cross. Jesus put an end to the system of hate when he died on the cross. With the blood of Jesus, he completely, completely abolished hate. Look in Ephesians 2.15. This is the Passion Translation. We just read it, but just in this, in this translation, in the Passion Translation, it says, ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. This morning we took communion, and when you ate of his body that was broken for you, you ate healing. 
You ate freedom. You ate forgiveness. You ate love. And when you drank the blood, you drank love. You drank forgiveness. You drank complete and total peace and partook of him. The apostle Paul said, I wanna partake with the, with the resurrection of the Lord that I might experience, or the uh, sacrifice of the Lord so that I might experience the resurrection life. We, part- we partake, it's not just something we just do. It's not just a, a thing, you, well, okay, you go to church, you take some bread and some wine, and no, it's you, it's, a, it's koinonia, it's the Greek word, it's, a, it's, a, it's an intimate participation, intimate fellowship with him and partaking in his suffering and his victory. Playing church is over. Thank God. I've been in church my whole life for 42 years. I'm glad that playing church is over because I want to experience the real kingdom life, the real kingdom life where where we're not divided by by things that, that, that we should be celebrating. We should be celebrating because he's the God of all nations. I'm gonna just skim through these really fast because I know we're gonna run short out of time here. But in Genesis 26, four, it says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands and through your offspring, all nations, all peoples on earth will be blessed. First Chronicles 16, 24, declare the glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the peoples. Psalms 22, 27, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. Psalm 47, one, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. He's the God of all nations. He's the God of all people. Psalm 72, 11, all kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. Psalm 82, verse eight, rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Skipping down to Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I don't understand in the body of Christ when Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour in our nation because that is not what heaven looks like. Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to Pastor Donnie, I know. We have these conversations a lot. And yeah, I love looking around. Ascension, you guys are awesome. Your diversity is beautiful. I love it. And I know the heart of the Father, it's warm (laughs) to see that. That's what we desire as well. And so, you know, Peter had a vision in Acts 10 and 11, chapter 10 and verse 11. He had a vision and God showed him this. He went up onto a roof and he saw this vision of a sheet coming down, you know, and, and he saw some food that he'd never been able to eat before. And he said, God, I can't touch that. That's bacon. I can't. I heard of it. I had dreams about it, but I can't. And then he, he saw a, a sandwich from Porky's and, and a popka. And, and my wife can testify that 
If you never had good barbecue, we'll take you to Porky's after church. Um, it is, it'll bless you. Hallelujah. And, and, and so Peter saw this vision. And then right after that, he, God said, there's gonna be some men coming to get you. Go with them. And he went to the house of Cornelius. Oh, wait a minute. That's, that's a Roman. That's a Gentile. I can't go with him. And God said, no, you're gonna go. You're gonna go with him. And, and by the way, take your pork sandwich with you, you know, because it's gonna be a blessing. And so then he, so then he goes, <laughs> didn't really say that, but then he goes to see Cornelius. And, you know, I, Peter's kind of funny. He walks in and he says, you know, you know, before I never could have came into your house, you know, because I'm, I'm Jewish and you're a Gentile and, you know, uh, but God said it's okay, so I'm coming in. So then he, so then he goes in. It was just like that. It's in the Word. Uh, so so, you, so he, he goes in and he begins to preach the gospel to them. And as he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on the place and they all begin, they all get filled with the Holy Ghost and they all start speaking in tongues. And then he spends a few days there and then he leaves and he goes back to, to the church, to, the, you know, to, the, to his people and, then, and, and they're all mad at him. They said, you did what? You went where? You ate what? You had bacon? You didn't even tell me? You didn't even call, brother? They went, so they went. And they were mad at him because he went to see a Gentile. And so he tells them the whole story and explains to them how God told him. And then they say, oh, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gospel is for all people. And then a little later in Galatians chapter two, Peter kind of backslides a little bit. And he's, and he's when, when he's around his Jewish friends, he sits with them, you know, but when they're not around, he'll sit with the Gentiles and it's, you know, and then Paul stands up in front of them all and corrects Peter in front of everybody and says, what? He said, you're a hypocrite. What are you doing? You're, you're being racist. How could you do this? How could you treat these people this way? And so what's happening in our heart when we don't love people who look different than us the same way we love anyone else? Donnie mentioned that we adopted a little girl when she was three months old. We were foster parents with the state and then God, God put adoption in our heart. We knew that we were supposed to adopt but then we felt led to become foster parents. Our first placement, and I don't know if you, if you have any experience with, with fostering, it doesn't happen this way, what I'm about to tell you. It's usually really, really hard and really difficult, and it can be heart-wrenching. But for us, it, it, it was just easy and beautiful. It wasn't easy, but it, it, it went so, God's hand was on it and gave us so much favor but our first, our first placement was Zoe. Her name's Zoe now. Her name used to be Mariah. But we got, we got Zoe, and she was sick, and we had to do a breathing treatment with her, and, and, and we knew right away this baby is our baby. We knew right away the moment we got her. She was, we dreamed, Beth dreamed of her, knew exactly what our daughter would look like. And we got her. 
and she doesn't have the same skin color as us. <laughs> and, and Zoe is one of us. And you'll see her, she's got purple hair and <laughs> long, full of energy. She is the spice of this family. We're like laid back and quiet and she's like full of energy and running around and, and then we have a big dog and he does too and they just you know feed off each other and it's awesome. But, uh, but, but everything happened easily. A lot of people, they'd get into fostering and it's, it's really difficult, it's really hard and, and they'll, have a, they'll have a child for you know, a few months, even years, and then they end up being taken away and put back with the, the biological parents or whatever and, and it's heart-wrenching and, and which is, it's good, it's, you know, it's what they tell you, but you're supposed to do. Um, but when, when they're putting them back with, with, with parents who you know, it's gonna be a hard road. You know, it's hard to deal with when you've fallen in love with them. That's what I'm saying. So, so that's, that's the, the heart that God has seemed to always, you know, work with us that way. And, and so we're excited uh, for, for, Zoe and, and for our family and for the, the, the stuff that we're stepping into. But going back to, to this text, we're, we're called to, to love the way Jesus loves. Amen? And, well, I am, I'm going late. John 15, verse nine, let me show you this really fast. As the Father has loved me, so I have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And in verse 12, John 15, verse 12, Jesus says, my command is this, love each, love each other as I've loved you. So he says, as the Father loved me, I've loved you. Now you love the way I've loved. And then it takes it a step further in verse 34, John 15, 34. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So it's not just loving one another, it's loving as he's loved us. It's not just love the best way Dave can love. It's not just love the best way Donnie can love. It's love the way he's loved us. The same love that we've experienced, we love each other with. And then the world will know that you're my disciples. So how does Jesus love us? We're not gonna read through it all, but in 1 Corinthians 13, we see a list of love, right? We see how it looks, what it looks like. That's how we love, because that's the same love, that's agape. I know I talked about this the last time I was here, so you know, Pastor Donnie will tell you, I talk about love a lot. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians 13, that list, go, go back and read it and, and realize that's the way God loves you. You experience that love and that's the way you'll love other people. When you look around, and you realize, that's not what I see happening. I know I'm called to love. Amen? So I'm gonna skip, up, I'm gonna skip down a little bit here because I wanna tell you this. What's the, the practical application here? How can I love up close? We're called to love up close. We're called to see people's pain. We're called to see them for who they are and where they're at. And let them see us and be transparent. Quit pretending. Quit being religious. 
and let people see us for who we are. Number one, make a decision to see people and to see their pain. Make a decision to see people and see their pain. Number two, allow yourself to be moved with compassion. Like the Samaritan, he was moved in his bowels, moved in compassion. He couldn't keep from loving that man, but he had to see him first. Number three, take a specific action that will demonstrate the love of God. Take a specific action. Number one, see. Number two, be moved with compassion. Number three, take action. What are you moved to do? Do it. If God's put something in your heart, do it. If you would, just, just stand with me. We're almost done. We're gonna wrap up. And there's gonna be a picture on the screen of Jesus. And I wanna ask you, when you see his pain, what do you see? When we see the crown of thorns, what do we see? When we see the nails in his hands and his feet, what do we see? When we see the stripes and wounds covering his body, what do we see? I'm just gonna be real with you. I see my failure. I see my shortcomings. I see my selfish pride. I see my impatience with my children. I see my inability to love my wife the, the right way, the way she deserves. I see my mistakes. I see sickness and disease, insecurities, fear, unbelief. And in a moment, it's all washed away by the blood of the perfect Lamb of God. In a moment, when I participate in the broken body and the blood of Jesus, I know that he has washed all that away. When I look at his pain, I realize that's my pain. That's my pain that he already carried for me. That's my pain that he already took. That's my sickness and disease that he took stripes on his back for. That's my insecurities and my fear and my unbelief that he took the crown of thorns jabbing him into a skull. That's my pain up there. And as we know, even as, as horrific and hard to watch as the passion of Christ was when it came out, it still didn't capture because the Bible says he was unrecognizable as a man. That's my pain. That's your pain that he carried, that he took care of. But then I look again and I see hope. If you would, just close your eyes and just listen to this. Get this in your spirit, in your heart. And look again in, inside yourself of all those things that he's taken care of. But hear this. Look again and see hope. See a glorious and bright future. I see a life that is impacting the kingdom. I see a husband or a wife, a mom and a dad 
that know how to love each other and love their children with God's love. I see a church that is loving the community and is a light to that community. I see physical, emotional, mental healing. I see marriages and families restored. I see addictions broken. I see dreams fulfilled. I see a prosperous and mighty kingdom rising. I see the king of kings. I see the prince of peace. I see the walls and divisions of humanity, the enmity of race, social classes, economic status, political agendas, and every other thing that would come against the knowledge of God being captive and made obedient to the mind of Christ. We know that our weapons are not carnal, but mighty in God to tear down strongholds. We know that we do not war with flesh and blood. So let us realize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us stand with our families and do good, especially to those who are a household of faith. Let us love as Jesus has loved. Let us be the good Samaritan in our stories, in his story, his story, because that's our history. Let's write our next testimony that will give hope to others by how we are responding to someone else's pain or even their anger, realizing that hurt people hurt people. Let us love up close. Let us love up close. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.